0: Get informed. individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hi,
1: thanks for tuning in to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. This is your host, Bethany Moore. I'm with the National Cannabis Industry Association, and I'm in the communications department here. Today, my guest is one of the NCIA members uh, who's based in Portland, Oregon, one of my favorite parts of the country. So I'm happy to introduce Leland Berger. He is an attorney based out there. Welcome to the show, Leland. Good to have you.
2: Thanks, Bethany. Good to be here.
1: Absolutely. Um, so I've met you many, many times over the years, of course, but for the benefit of our listeners, uh, let's hear more about your personal backstory, your background, and what got you involved in the cannabis movement and now industry?
2: Sure, I'd be glad to share about that. Um, I uh, I grew up uh, back east, but came out here in uh, August of 1979 to go to law school. And after working for about 10 years for a law firm that had... Um, I uh, was the first privatized indigent defense law firm. It was like being a public defender in a private law firm. I had quit to uh, to do appeals working out of my house and um, in 94. And in 96, um, I had uh, been contacted through the National Lawyers Guild, a group that I had uh, worked with throughout my career in representing protesters, um, the guild had been contacted by the Portland Cannabis Buyers uh, Cooperative, who were looking for legal representation. I met with them and uh, told them it was ongoing felony. No one could represent them, but that there were interesting legal issues if anyone was arrested, which
1: they mm-hmm. were. And mm-hmm. over
2: the over the next ten years, my practice went from you know mostly appeals and some medical marijuana cases to mostly looking after patients and their providers and a few appeals.
1: Okay, so were you personally interested in cannabis medical cannabis issues at that time, or this is sort of how it got brought to your attention?
2: It was sort of how it got brought to my attention. Got it. Um, and cool. the medical, you know the medical cannabis uh, uh, movement, I think, is really the the impetus for for the legalization of of uh, cannabis. There wouldn't be the latter without the former—that's for sure.
1: Absolutely, um, I personally got to live in Portland, Oregon, for about two and a half years uh, during the Great Recession, from oh9 to 2011, um, and it's beautiful. And and uh, I know some delicious cannabis comes out of that part of the country as well. And and they did have those caregiver patient programs for a while there um, until, of course, the recent uh, legislation and where voters voted in adult use, which was super exciting for Oregon to join, join some of the other states uh, in that. Uh, so it's super exciting. Um, so you are still an attorney, you're currently an attorney, and your firm is called Oregon Cannabis Business Compliance Council, LLC. Uh, So tell me more about launching that practice
2: and what you're up to these days. Well, sure, I'd be glad to. Um, Part of my uh, activism over the last 20 years in trying to end um, cannabis prohibition was through a group called uh, voter power that i was a co-founder of and we had initiatives in 2003 and 2007 to create regulated supply systems for medical and in 2010 people started coming to my then home office saying um you know what do i what am i going to need to do to comply with this law if it if it passes and i and i realized then that the ability to provide uh, legal advice on uh, compliance with what was sure to be a heavily regulated industry, both the medical and the adult use here in Oregon are pretty heavily.
1: Yeah, regulated. well, I'm glad to hear that they were thinking ahead about compliance. That's really smart on their part. Well,
2: well, I mean, I was thinking ahead, and so I, as a way of transitioning away from doing criminal defense to. To do you know what do I do when there isn't any patients or or growers to represent in court? I mean the point of ending cannabis prohibition of course is not to create an industry. The point for me was to not have to stand next to anybody else at sentencing sure. for uh, crimes related to a plant and so in two thousand and thirteen I founded uh, Oregon cannabis Business compliance council LLC and I uh, moved my office out of the house and uh, brought my legal assistant into uh, brick-and-mortar office, and instead of creating a law firm with partners, I um, associate with other lawyers who have um, experience and uh, passion and expertise in areas that I don't, and I have a, associated attorney agreements with them, and so when I refer clients t- uh, to them, there's a referral fee that's involved, and uh, everybody is good with that, and um, And that's, that's how my practice works. Uh, currently, I'm Involved in um, defending some businesses that are being um, accused of various improprieties by the Liquor Control Commission, okay. and really the best part of my practice is—and it's about 20% of it—is that I, I work at um, uh, on expungements, motions to to set aside. Um, the record of arrests and convictions, and I, I'm proud because I helped um, change the law. I mean, unlike in California, where that's it was in the initiative, this was uh, something that we were able to uh, to accomplish uh, through legislation.
1: Oh, that's great! Yeah, I mean, it, it, the expungement is so important uh, because. If you do want to work in what's now the industry, there are a lot of restrictions about what your criminal record looks like. Um, So if the only thing one has on their criminal record is, oh, I got arrested for possessing a plant, um, yeah, it's not fair to not include these people from working in the industry as a bud tender or whatever uh, just because they got caught with the plant, which is now legal and and thriving in many businesses, um, so well,
2: that's actually pretty- it wasn't it wasn't related to the industry, Bethany. It was related to the collateral consequences that okay. uh, come from a cannabis conviction in housing and employment and whatnot. Oh. For purposes of the industry, both to be a owner of a business or to obtain what we call here a marijuana worker card. You can't mm-hmm. have been convicted in the last two years of manufacture okay. delivery of a Schedule 1 or Schedule 2 controlled substance. But these older convictions were really problematic uh, for in employment, housing, and other situations like that.
1: Ah, uh, okay. Got it. That makes sense for sure. Okay, um... Well, we have a little bit more to talk about uh, regarding your involvement with some other groups when we come back from the commercial break. But before we take that break, um, are there other groups that you've been involved with, uh, activist groups, advocacy groups in Oregon or national or otherwise that you're that you're proud of to be associated with?
2: Certainly, I uh, you know after legalization, I, I went to the legislature from 1999 to to 2015, and during that period of time, or 2014 during that period of time, the only person in the building that was really paid to be there to help with um, cannabis law reform was the ACLU. And then suddenly in 2015, mm-hmm. dozens of industry lobbyists showed up, and nobody was there. Speaking out on behalf of consumers, so I started the uh, a legislative committee with the Portland chapter, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Okay. And in addition to working on the expungement law, we've worked on 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 other issues and continue to to move forward in the legislature, trying to end, you know, trying to end cannabigotry As we've spoken before, Bethany, you know, there are yes. just some. Laws that are there because they just don't like our kind, and 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 they need to be, be changed. So I'm proud of that, and I'm especially proud of being a um, co-founding board member of the National Cannabis Bar Association, and I started uh, a cannabis law section of the Oregon State Bar, which is the third uh, section in the country behind uh, Colorado and uh, Michigan. So I'm 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 really I'm proud of uh, those accomplishments as well as you know starting a voter power which lasted for a good 10 or 15 years on uh yeah on trying to politically move things forward here
1: Yes, you certainly are. You're you're involved in the A to Z of the the legal side of cannabis, it seems, which is awesome. Okay, well, we are going to take a quick commercial break, and then we will be right back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio to hear more from attorney Leland Berger. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back.
0: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors.
1: Running a successful cannabis business isn't easy.
0: Successful businesses need to have strong people to achieve long-term results. At Live Advisors, we believe people are the heart of business, and training people can help you
1: infinitely grow your business. Learn more about our offerings at liveadvisors.com.
0: Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's cannabis industry voice, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, with the National Cannabis Industry Association. We've been talking with Leland Berger, an attorney in the industry based in Portland, Oregon. Uh, So Leland, right before the break, you mentioned uh, your involvement in a group called the National Cannabis Bar Association, and NCIA has certainly coordinated with them uh, in recent times. Um, So there's certainly many lawyers who focus solely on cannabis-related issues by now because there's that many to be handled. Um, tell me more about this association of lawyers, attorneys who are focused on cannabis at the National Cannabis Bar Association. Like, what's, What is the mission? Why was it formed and, and why, why is it important?
2: Well, thanks, Bethany. Our, our overarching effort is to legitimize uh, cannabis businesses, and uh, um, um, we form the association to enable lawyers practicing in this area to both network with each other and to educate the cannabis bar to improve the quality of representation uh, to the cannabis industry. Um, it's important that cannabis lawyers be talking to each other. It's important that... Um, that we uh, provide uh, education so that the quality of service is uh, high. And it's also important, uh, as I hope we discuss a little later, um, because uh, in some jurisdictions, the um, the fact of of practicing or wanting to practice in in this area, Um, you know how it is problematic and uh, and and you know we we're we're also you know deeply concerned with the the ethical issues that surround the ability to to for lawyers to practice in this area the ability of lawyers to have an interest in businesses in this area and the ability of lawyers to be able to who live in uh, states where cannabis has been legalized to be able to consume cannabis Without violating their state ethical laws.
1: hmm, hmm. Awesome. Uh, so, for those listening, if you're curious uh, to learn more about the National Cannabis Bar Association, uh, the website is www. As in C A N B A R. Org, and as I look at the front page of the website, I see you standing there in that beautiful group photo uh, with a group of about seven other attorneys uh, who founded the organization. Uh, that's awesome. Um, so, what else is coming up? Uh, w- what are some of the founding members of the National Cannabis Bar Association uh, that are that are important to mention?
2: Sure. Well, Shabnam Malik and Amanda Conley are the, uh, along with Lara DeCaro, are the executive committee of the board. And Shabnam and Amanda practice in uh, in the Bay Area as uh, Brandon Branch.
0: Mm-hmm. They're
2: intellectual property lawyers. Lara's a, a business lawyer. Uh, listeners may know uh, Rob Reich. He's the lawyer who argued in the United States Supreme Court both United States versus the Oakland Cannabis Buyers Club cooperative and also Gonzalez versus rage uh, Jonathan Robbins uh, Robbins works with Ackerman in Florida Gillette, uh, Rachel Gillette is with Greenspoon martyr she's from Colorado we we truly are a national organization with you know Matt Abel in uh, Detroit Michigan uh, mm-hmm. retired judge Shelley Hayes in um, in Illinois Josh Kappel uh, f- f- with Vicente cederberg and in Denver and uh, Mary Shapiro in the Bay area and Mitzi Vaughn with Greenbridge in, uh, in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a wonderful, uh, uh group of, uh, of uh, lawyers that are the the founding members. And I certainly enjoy when, uh, when we all get together and, uh, and, and meet and plan to things to have things go forward. And I'm especially excited that, you know, this, this started when Amanda, excuse me, when Shabnam and uh, another lawyer uh, had a gathering at a uh, McCormick and Schmicks in uh, suburban Denver in connection with some, I think it was an NCIA conference. And, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it'll be three years ago this October, and, and, and we've grown to the point where now we have an executive director, uh, Chris Davis. So uh, it's uh, we're at about 250 members uh, nationwide, and we're uh, you know actively trying to increase our membership and 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 growing. And it's just exciting to be uh, well, you know, a lot of things are exciting in the cannabis industry. There's a lot of firsts, and but a national uh, bar association for lawyers uh, practicing in this area is. Uh, Certainly uh, being a co-founding board member of that is the thing I'm really most proud of over the years.
1: Yeah, very valuable. And yeah, this membership directory on the website is impressive. You said over 200. I I believe it. Um, So as as far as attorneys themselves, um, if I could switch gears just a little bit here, many of us have heard about the cannabis law attorney, Jessica McAlfresh she was recently charged with a felony for representing cannabis businesses. And this, this is a little bit of a shock to many of us. Uh, can, can you give me a brief rundown of that case and, and where it currently stands?
2: Sure. Um, this uh, case arose in uh, San Diego, which has historically been a, uh, a cannabis unfriendly um, Jurisdiction and involved mm-hmm. the execution of a search warrant over a year ago at a collective there, uh, where items were seized. Jessica uh, represented the collective in the forfeiture proceeding and won the uh, the item the the funds were not forfeited and were instead returned. And then subsequently, she was charged. Uh, this gives the unfortunate impression of uh, making her, the prosecution specifically of her, uh, uh, retaliatory or vindictive, which, of course, violates the due process clause of the mm. uh, United States Constitution. She uh, She's uh, ably uh, uh, represented um, there, and NCBA is in contact with her lawyer Eugene uh, Iredale, um, about uh, our possibly appearing uh, as uh, a friend of the court at the mm. at the trial level there was a hearing um, last well there was a hearing on uh, Friday the seventh um, where uh, the judge um, indicated that she it was in connection with um, uh, motions to limit the scope of the search warrant um, into areas that are Covered by the attorney-client privilege, and hmm. um, there's an exception to the attorney-client privilege um, if it involves a crime or fraud, or it's the so-called crime-fraud exception. And the state, the California, was arguing that because any uh, activity involving cannabis violates federal law that the crime-fraud exception applied, and this was of a special concern to us, Mm-hmm. In the NCBA, and um, and the judge has already suggested that she's not um, she's not buying the argument that the crime fraud exception to the attorney client privilege oh, applies where there's a violation of the, the Controlled Substances Act where the state laws allow it. There's a hearing on the 21st, which I think maybe before this is actually aired, but there. They're going to uh, be discussing uh, search terms for the execution of the search warrant, again, to limit it to protect Jessica's privacy and the, and the privacy of her communications with her clients. Um, the uh, vindictive or retaliatory prosecution motions have yet to be filed or scheduled, and, and our concern as an organization is the chilling effect this um, prosecution could have on cannabis attorneys who advise on compliance. Yeah. So So um, that's how come we are monitoring it closely. We sent uh, Chris Davis uh, to the hearing on the seventh, and uh, and again we're we're in touch with uh, Jessica and her lawyers, and we're, we're yeah. trying to, to figure out how best we can help.
1: Yeah. Wow. I I definitely feel. For Jessica, I see she's one of your sustaining members, and we we in the industry need to look out for each other sometimes. You know, the, the good people need to look out for the good people when bad things happen. Um, so this is this is an example of the, the cannabis community um, and how we all need to walk forward together hand in hand.
2: Uh, and so- I was, um, was going to just say, I was quoted as saying that an attack on any of us is an attack on all of us, and I firmly believe that.
1: Yes. Well said. Agreed. Um, So let's take a commercial break and come back and talk a bit more about about all these issues, including uh, about the activities of the National Cannabis Bar Association. Stay tuned. We'll be right back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio.
0: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors.
1: Hey, we're back on the last segment here of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and if you're just joining us, today we're talking with Leland Berger, an attorney in the industry based in Portland, Oregon. We've been talking quite a bit about the National Cannabis Bar Association. Uh, so, Leland, for attorneys who are involved in the cannabis industry, um, you know, before adult use, legalization, Activism looked a certain way. We were trying to just get people's attention about the rights of patients. Now that there's legal adult use cannabis states, there is a contrast between the before time (laughs) and the now time. Um, So what does the activism for the legal profession look like now and going forward? What's most important for attorneys who are balancing their work in the cannabis industry?
2: well thanks Bethany. Um, you know I, as we discussed earlier the but at least for for me, and I don't think I'm alone in this I, I didn't work for twenty years to end cannabis prohibition to create an industry um, the however, the industry is the portal through which we we need to be able to exist and move and 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 grow and and to be able to achieve the kind of freedoms that uh, those of us who've been in this for the long haul were hoping for with legalizations. and and what um, uh, what what that activism looks like from an industry standpoint is community engagement. Um, there's a dispensary in Eugene, Oregon, for example, that holds a cannabis classic golf tournament that benefits multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. Um the um having uh you know I I like to say that once we have um you know, little league baseball teams that are sponsored by dispensaries will be will be done it's really <laughs> about it's really about not just normalizing not just normalizing the cannabis industry and oh that's you know yeah of course there's these stores where you can go and buy these these things if you're an adult and and you know have the identification for that and everything but but we we really need to 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 be exemplary to businesses that are really giving back uh, uh to the to the communities and, and community engagement uh we think is mm-hmm. is really the the most uh, important part and I think as an industry Broadly, generally speaking, we're um, we're 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 doing that. We're accomplishing that. And I also think that as we, as we continue to practice our businesses like that, we will uh, become less regulated. It'll be less treating it like plutonium and more <laughs> treating it like broccoli, <laughs> right?
1: I like that analogy.
2: <laughs> Agreed. I it, make you laugh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I can't agree more. I think in most of the episodes, we talk quite a bit about the importance of being involved uh, in the community, doing the golf classics, donate to the arts, donate to highway cleanups, wh- whatever the case may be, uh, so that we're listed among all the other regular companies in those uh donor sort of uh, lists that happen out there. Um, I was gonna say,
2: but- I was gonna say that same dispensary in Eugene, the greener side. Is a member of the Rotary Club. In the That's the, awesome. the owner is a member of the Rotary Club there, and uh, it was just a, Joe Hopkins. It was just a terrific accomplishment on his part. I'm very proud of him for that. I'm glad I got to plug it.
1: Great, yeah. Well, we have run fresh out of time, but before we go, I do want to mention that the National Cannabis Bar Association cooperates and coordinates with NCIA and has offered CLE continuing education courses at NCIA's major conferences. uh, And they also offer in-person seminars, as well as some upcoming online webinars. So if you are interested in getting more involved in the National Cannabis Bar Association, There's lots of opportunities for you to do that. And again, the website is canbar.org. So wrapping up, I just want to say thank you so much, Leland, for joining us today. It's been a great conversation and uh, look forward to seeing you at one of NCIA's upcoming events in your area.
2: The National Cannabis Bar Association is holding a uh, Cannabis Law Institute in conjunction with the Sturm uh, School of Law at the University of Denver, July 28th and 29th, and there's a ton of information at our website, canbar.org forward slash cli. Perfect.
1: All right, thanks for joining us on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. See you next time.